Well, hello and welcome, everyone. And this is the second of our Asia Essential Antitrust podcasts, which look at competition issues and trends across the region. Today's podcast will focus on the merge control landscape in South Korea. And for this, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Young Jin Jun and J.W. Hyun from Kim and Chang in Seoul for this session. Let me introduce our guests briefly before we dive into the discussion. First, Young Jin is co-chair of Kim and Chang's antitrust and competition law practice. He has significant experience in all areas of antitrust enforcement and merger control, international cartel, and abuse of market dominance in major industries such as the technology and IT sectors. He also leads the firm's international trade practice. And JW, her practice areas include the defense of antitrust investigations, merger notifications, and other cross-border corporate transactions. She provides corporate and antitrust counselling to both foreign and domestic firms in Korea. And both Young Jin and JW are recognised as leading lawyers in their fields. Young Jin, JW, welcome and many thanks for joining us. I'd like to start the discussion by asking you to give us an overview of the merger control regime in South Korea. So perhaps starting with you first, JW, could you tell us a little bit about the type of merge control regime that you have in your jurisdiction? Sure, and uh, thank you very much, Alistair, for your kind introduction. The merger control regime in Korea um, is uh, a mandatory one, uh, meaning if the applicable filing thresholds are met, then the parties are required to file. And also, if either of the parties is involved in a certain size is um, threshold, the filing obligation becomes pre-closing, with suspensory obligation not to close until the KFTC clears the transaction. And once the filing is submitted, then you, you know, obviously the parties have to think about the, the review period in order to manage their deal timeline. And so maybe, you know, I can just briefly discuss about the, uh, the, the statutory review period aspect. So the statutory review period consists of an, uh, two parts, the initial review period of 30 calendar days, and an extended period of uh, up to 90 additional calendar days. One important factor to remember in relation to uh, this Korean uh, review timeline is that the review clock stops when the KFTC issues an RFI. And there's no limitation to the number of RFIs that can be issued. And uh, the KFTC normally has very broad uh, discretion as to the content and timing of the RFIs. So, you know, through that, the KFTs can manage the review timeline with substantial flexibility. And it is not uncommon that the official review is still in the initial 30-day period while the KFTC has been reviewing the case for many months. And also, because of the extraterritorial application of the Korea Fair Trade Law, the foreign-to-foreign mergers also fall into the scope of the merger control review in Korea. And that is when those foreign-to-foreign mergers have Korean nexus. And under the Korean filing rules currently, the Korean nexus requirement is satisfied if the parties generate uh, the Korean revenues of at least 30 billion Korean won, which is equivalent to around 26 million US dollars or 23 million euros. And for information, uh, the KFTC has recognized that uh, recently that such kind of conventional threshold uh, would not catch all meaningful mergers, especially in the very fast-changing 
digital economy and all those innovative uh, transactions. So they realized that uh, they need to review those mergers that involve targets that may be small at this point, but have very uh, potential for high growth or with uh, high technology or maybe um, the data assets. So because of that, the KFTC has proposed to amend the fair trade law uh, to add thresholds for the size of the transaction and um, substantial activities in Korea, including the R&D activities, so that those um, transactions could uh, be reviewed by the KFTC. And in terms of the treatment of the foreign-to-foreign transactions, um, once uh, they are filed, I mean, there's no particular difference um, in the KFTC's review, uh, especially with regard to the, the standard of review. So, so the same standard of review will apply. But at the same time, the KFTC recognized that the sum of the foreign-to-foreign mergers may technically trigger a filing obligation in Korea. So uh, it has announced recently that the establishment of a joint venture uh, outside Korea would be subject to a simplified review if the joint venture has little impact on the Korean market. So that kind of sums up our overview of the merger regime in Korea. Thanks, JW. That's extremely helpful. If I may, just a couple of follow-ups. You mentioned that there may be the introduction of a sort of transaction value threshold, which is um, is obviously a phenomenon we're seeing across a, a number of jurisdictions now, as you say, particularly in 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 sectors where you may have a business with with, with low revenue, uh, which doesn't get caught under the traditional thresholds, but 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 is still a significant asset because of its growth potential or the sector it's in. Are those rules definitely coming into force or, or not? And, and, and if, if they are, what, what's the sort of the predicted timing for, for them? Um, it is quite likely that this time uh, around that uh, the amendment proposed at this time will uh, come into life. There was a, the, currently the amendment is before the National Assembly and it is generally expected that they will pass. So uh, by the, the predicted timeline is by the, the end of the first half of next year that uh, we'll see that uh, this amendment uh, to the uh, threshold will come into effect. But you know, now the question becomes then what is the, the transaction value, the threshold itself? And uh, that remains to be obviously uh, that will require a lot of discussions. And so for that purpose, I think the KFTC will look into um, maybe you know, some of the other jurisdictions that already have that system and, and, and how that has, has, has worked in, um, in real situation. So we'll see. I mean, we will see uh, in many activities in that regard and very, uh, I guess, active discussions. Okay, that that's very interesting. Well, something to keep an eye on. That the other question I had was, you talked about foreign to foreign transactions. You also mentioned joint ventures, which get a simplified review if they're outside of Korea. One of the issues that comes up quite often with with our clients is to understand whether or not you can trigger a filing where one of the parties only has sales or assets, etc. in the country. So whether that's either the acquirer or the target, what's the positioning and, and the career under the rules? Can you still trigger where it's just one party who, who has 
lots of revenue or very significant assets? Well, under the current Korean filing rules, um, the both parties um, need to to satisfy the Korean nexus threshold. But I think the catch here is, uh, you know, who are the parties? And um, the parties here are joint venture partners. So, uh, which means that both, you know, when two, for example, joint venture partners are establishing a joint venture outside Korea, if both of them are large enough to have the Korean, um, the sufficient Korean revenues, then regardless of the, the really the nexus, Korean nexus of the joint venture itself, it will trigger a Korean filing obligation. So that's the situation where this um, kind of exception or the kind of um, more simplified review uh, process is intended to cover where only because of the, the large activities of the joint venture partners that then the joint venture is required to be notified, if, uh, would be notified regardless of you know, how closely that the joint venture itself is related to the Korean market. I absolutely understood. And I guess that's similar to other regimes. Ch China, for one, the European Union under the European Merger Regulation has a similar set up where the, the parents can trigger the, the filing obligation, even if the JV doesn't doesn't have sales or, or a presence in, in the territory. I, I wanted to move on and ask a little bit about the authorities in enforcement stance at the moment and in terms of, you know, how aggressive is the agency in terms of intervening in transactions? Maybe that's one for, for you, Young Jin. In, in, you know, we, we, when we sort of talk about enforcement and intervention, I suppose it's really a question of, you know, how often does the authority require remedies? Does it ever actually block a transaction? It would be interesting to hear your, your, your thoughts and on that particular issue. Sure. Thank you very much for a nice introduction, Alistair. As you may know, uh, the KFTC has been very active in enforcing competition law. The merger reviews are not an exception. The, on average, the KFTC reviews around 652, 750 cases every year and often requires remedies which raise competitive concerns in the relevant market in Korea. Since the beginning of its enforcement in early 1980s, the KFTC has imposed remedies in 61 cases in total, consisting of 20 structural remedies and the 41 behavior remedies. KFTC has also blocked mergers, three official cases so far since 2000, including one global merger. You know, of course, KFTC issued a statement of objections blocking the merger in a few cases, including applied materials, proposed acquisition of Dokken Electron. But officially, there is only one global merger where the KFTC blocked the transaction. In blocking a global merger, we note that KFTC normally coordinates with authorities in other jurisdictions. So there has been no case where the KFTC was the only blocking jurisdiction where all others cleared conditionally or unconditionally. On the other hand, in the global remedy cases, the KFTC sometimes has a specific remedy to the global remedies if they see an issue unique to Korean market situations. Can you say, Youngjin, a little bit more about, uh, you, you mentioned the, um, 
different types of remedies. You mentioned structural and behavioural. Uh, I mean, I suppose the structural ones are, you, you mean divestments. It, it, are there any sort of common trends in terms of behavioural remedies? Anything that the sort of the KFTC tends to favour? Uh, or is it very case specific? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. For regional merger uh, cases, KFTC preferred, just like in uh, many other sophisticated agencies, they prefer uh, structural remedies. Uh, in other words, like I said, a divestment. For uh, vertical mergers, of course, uh, sometimes they imposed uh, behavioral remedies. In the past, like uh, 10 years ago, when KFTC had uh, relatively little experience in reviewing merger transactions, they you know, oftentimes imposed behavioral remedies over structural remedies. But increasingly, they are moving toward imposing structural remedies when it comes to outright horizontal mergers. Because I suppose the statistics you gave are quite telling that actually there, are, there have been more behavioral remedies than, than structural. But still, as you say, that, that typically they would favor structural over behavioral. Is that, that that's still the, the overriding case? You know, they, uh, you know, recently they clearly prefer uh, the structural remedies. But, you know, oftentimes if the industry is not such that it lends itself to structural remedies, then they impose the behavioral remedies uh, to make sure that the merging parties uh, do not engage in any type of anti-competitive behaviors. So uh, it all depends on the industries and the type of transactions they're looking at. Okay, no, that's, that's helpful. And has the, the current pandemic had any impact, whether in terms of, I suppose, the aggressiveness of the, the authority to intervene or, or just simply in terms of review process? Have the reviews got longer? Mm-hmm. The KFTC, like many other Korean government agencies, uh, has been mostly operational and never fully closed. We never locked down. The Korean people never locked down. Uh, even during a period earlier this year where the government officials were subject to a mandatory partial work from home policy, the KFTC accepted filings as usual, and the officials in the merger review division continued to review submitted filings. So there is no notable delay or change of procedure in the KFTC merger review, which is quite helpful for us. Yeah, no, that's that that's extremely helpful to know, and um, I suppose something of a relief for our clients who are going through the KFTC process, particularly bearing in mind the risk of RFIs that JW mentioned at the beginning, meaning that your thirty-day calendar review can actually end up being quite a bit longer than that in practice. But also, I'm pleased to hear that um, you haven't had to be properly locked down. So um, that's also uh, positive news as well. Are there any particular cases that have sort of been particularly notable recently that are worth highlighting for our listeners? The, uh, you mentioned the implications of the COVID-19s on the merger review. Uh, in that context, uh, I would like to explain to about uh, one case where the KFTC a formally accepted a failing company defense. The earlier this year, the KFTC cleared merger between two domestic low-cost carrier LLCs, which were the first and fifth largest players. The merger would have triggered a closer scrutiny by the KFTC under normal circumstances. But citing the failing firm defense, as I mentioned, 
the cave disappeared and merger in a relatively short period of time. As far as you remember, it's like um, slightly over one month time period, uh, which is even by any standard uh, is very quick, uh, given the spread of COVID-19 pandemic. At that time, the KFTC specifically noted that in addition to the financial difficulties the target had experienced prior to this year, the target suspended all of its international domestic flights this year due to COVID-19 and was already undergoing a drastic restructuring of its employees, making it virtually impossible for the target to resume normal business operations or pay outstanding debts in the near future. Also, the KFTC agreed that there was no potential buyer other than the acquirer, making it difficult for the target's assets to be utilized in the market by less anti-competitive means. That was the first time in recent years that the KFTC recognized and applied the failing firm exception, but it is yet to see whether other similar cases will follow. Uh, that, that's extremely interesting. It reminds me of the sort of global financial crisis when there was uh, certainly one or two examples of authorities accepting the defence. But as you say, it's a question of whether or not that will be replicated or if it's uh, somewhat exceptional. And I, I just sort of wanted to, to, conscious of time, wanted to turn perhaps now just to ask just one final question, Young Jin, in terms of interaction with other authorities, does the KFTC tend to liaise closely with other authorities that might be reviewing the same transaction? Yeah, that's right. The KFTC is a certainly one of the active members of the circle of global competition agencies. And we have witnessed many examples of coordination that KFTC engaged in with its counterparts in other jurisdictions, including EU and the US, Japan, and so forth. As you well know, global coordination is more appropriate in merger review cases, especially those global mergers involving remedies. From our experience, global coordination can be in the form of regular conference calls or face-to-face discussions, which could be arranged in conjunction with regulators, conferences, or other visits. The coordination could cover various aspects of the case, from a timeline adjustment to the substance of remedies being discussed with emerging parties. We expect that this coordination practice of the KFTC will continue as the global mergers would like to raise more and more new non-conventional issues in the future. No, that, that's helpful to, to, to know. And I guess actually it has relevance for the way that we advise our, our clients, understanding that, that, that authorities are increasingly in touch with each other and on these multi-jurisdictional transactions. Which brings us maybe nicely to the last topic I wanted to cover, one for you, JW, which was to maybe share um, some practical tips that you would give uh, our listeners in terms of how to, how to navigate Korea's merger control regime. Yes, uh, actually just picking up on um, the last topic that we discussed regarding the global coordination, you know, that's one of the aspects that the clients should know that the KFTC is very active in getting involved in the global network of competition authorities. And uh, because they consider, uh, obviously, self as a major authorities, and uh, the KFTC's rating uh, by the GCR, as you may well be familiar with, in recent years have been quite uh, positive. I think they recently received a star uh, rating um, also. 
And also in actually the handling the actual cases, did we find the, um, the KFTC really frequently and closely coordinating with mother major authorities. And uh, so the, it will be important for the clients to consider such kind of close coordination in establishing a strategy for multi-jurisdictional merger reviews. So that's one thing that um, just I'd like to mention. And maybe um, another aspect that uh, I'd like to draw attention of the clients in considering the merger review process in Korea is a substantive perspective. The, the KFTC in most cases requires a very detailed information to be submitted. And that is because the, the case handlers are required to conduct a certain level of a substantive assessment, even in the case of murders involving no substantive issues. So you often actually encounter kind of no issue of cases involving frequent RFIs and a prolonged review period, which could be quite frustrating uh, to the parties. Um, so in order to avoid or minimize such unnecessary efforts and delays, we normally advise our clients that uh, it would be important to proactively engage in discussions with the case handlers, um, especially in the early on process. So um, as soon as the filings are uh, submitted and assigned to a particular case handler, um, to provide the case handler an overview of the, the transaction and maybe products involved and markets involved, and especially if we are confident that uh, the substance competitive is on our side, we should clearly indicate uh, in the initial meeting that uh, this transaction does not raise any issue. So that will um, be really enormously help the case handler to, um, to maybe quickly understand the transaction and uh, conduct their review with the appropriate level of details and within a really the proper timeline. So that's one, um, maybe another aspect that I want, want to note. And lastly, uh, especially we see a lot of major transactions involving remedies uh, globally. And in Korea, procedurally, one thing that the clients should uh, be mindful of is that the Korean procedure, the remedy procedure requires really a substantial chunk of time in the back-end process. So, for example, even after a set of remedies are discussed, have been discussed and agreed with the KFTC, it requires three to four months uh, to complete um, you know, the, all the process and the remedies are finalized, the, finally the decision of the KFTC. And um, the background for that requirement is the KFTC's remedies are um, actually come come in the form of an order issued by the KFTC, which requires um, the preparation of the uh, examiner's report by the, the case team and holding of a hearing before the commissioners, and, um, and then the KFTC's discuss um, the preparation of a written decision, which finalized the, the remedies. So for that reason, um, the clients, when they actually kind of devise a timeline for a deal and also for uh, the merger review process, especially involving the multi-jurisdictional the filings, uh, we would like to just to uh, draw attention that this should be considered um, in, their, in their timeline discussion and strategy. 
Those sound like three excellent tips. Thank you, JW. I think all extremely important. Uh, and as you say, particularly that last one on the timing impact where you have a remedy involved on a, on a global basis. Those really the three areas I wanted to cover. Uh, Young Jin, did you want to say any sort of concluding uh, remarks? Sure, sure, Alastair. Thank you. As the businesses are becoming more diverse and the markets are leaning to a whole new territory of digital economy, it is a quite interesting time to see how competition laws and authorities are evolving to cope with the changing environments. Korean law and KFTC are not an exception. Special laws have been introduced to handle new issues that may be properly addressed under the existing laws. For example, the KFTC has just proposed a bill for online platform fairness transaction law as of yesterday similar to the ones introduced in the EU and Japan. Also, the KFTC newly formed a number of task forces for ICT areas to review and establish a new regulatory framework. It is exciting to see these fast-changing dynamic regulatory environment, and then we look forward to helping clients as an effective navigator into the merger control region in Korea. Thank you. Young Jin. And JW, I think that's a, the, the perfect time to bring this discussion to an end. It's been extremely informative. Thank you so much. And we very much look forward to working with you and supporting our clients uh, in the future.